Welcome to the 511. We're here to encourage and build each other up, to be the disciples that we're meant to be, and to make disciples so that the world can see the true and powerful Jesus. Welcome to the 511. I'm Corey. I'm here with my good friend Jacob and my sister Andrea and her husband Adam. Today's song is Point to You by We Are Messengers. How can I forgive when I can't forgive myself? How can I move on when all I have is regret? How can I face you when I keep turning away? How can I make it past the noise with my shame? I need a miracle, some healing for my heart. I need a revelation brand new start. I want simplicity where I can rest, but I need a miracle to put my past to death. I know you want my heart, my bruises, and my scars. I'm coming as I am. The only way I can, I can't forget from where I've come and what my heart's been rescued from. When they ask me who I owe my whole life to, I point to you. I like the whole song because it's kind of a prayer to my life's messed up, but I want everything in my life to point other people to God. You know, even though my life is messed up, I want. I shared that on the 511's Facebook the other day about. Um, this is my goal in life is for Jesus to be the first thing someone notices about me. It's really good. You want to pray, sister? Yeah, we'll go ahead and get started with prayer. Father God, we come to you right now in Jesus' name, and we just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. We thank you, Lord, for every single person listening, for the ones that you have led to this pathway to open their ears and their hearts, Father God. And we pray that you will speak through us and help us, Father God, give us the peace and the understanding and the knowledge of your word as we bring it today, Father. And we just thank you, Lord, that you are here with us, and where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of us. And we just thank you, Lord, that you are here and that you are being broadcast so people can hear your words. And we just thank you, Lord, that we are able to do this and have this opportunity. And we are always thankful for that, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And we're doing Ephesians chapter 4 today. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I like how that says that, um, the unity of the Spirit. Mine says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. So that means that we have to work to tie ourselves up to each other, like spiritually bind ourselves to each other, in peace, especially as Christians, we should work hard to maintain peace with each other. So that way the Holy Spirit can flow and work. Well, that's true. I think there's a lot of division in the church today. Mm. And that's one reason the Holy Spirit is not, it's not like it was back in the days, like in Acts and all that. It's because there's so much division and we're not working in unity and peace. Oops. I like what it says in uh, verse 2. 
my translation says Jacob's version. Yeah, Jacob's uh, the new Jacob's version. That's <laughs> it here. NLT. <laughs> it says always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. And I think if we have you know the love of Christ in us, that we should try to let our light shine and be patient with each other like it says and not see other people's faults and just write them off as soon as that or you know if they're not doing things like I do so it's not right I'm not saying be passive and just you know let people sin out of control but uh, you know being patient and pulling pulling them out of that sin gently and giving them time and praying for them instead of just doing away with it. Because mm-hmm. everybody has faults. It's not just, I mean, we may be able to see it in somebody else, but that doesn't mean that we don't have it in ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I like these words. It says, be humble, be patient, allow, make every effort, bind yourself with peace. These are work terms, so that means that you have to actually do something. It's not just going to happen you have to work at it so it's it's something that you actually have to do and uh, requires effort so it means that you have to work at love you have to work at maintaining peace and you have to work at being humble and gentle so it's some things that people don't like to do some people are lazy you might have to pick it up a little bit and and start acting like a christian start doing the things that you're supposed to be doing Verse 4, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And that's that's a good point back to what we were saying earlier about unity. That's why that's the main reason there should be unity, is because there is one God, mm-hmm. one Lord. It's not it should be one church. It's not Mm-hmm. It's like your God and you is the same God that's in me, the right. same God that's in Jacob. Yeah, we got so many different denominations nowadays that people get wrapped around the actual, you know, Pentecostal, Baptist, you know, Church of God, Church of Christ. And we have all these different rules that people get so fixated on. And I think the further along we go in the generations, the more division there is. Mm-hmm. And the people have kind of lost the concept that there is one God and we're all on the same team. We're all fighting for the same cause. Mm-hmm. And I think until we have that unity that Paul's speaking about right here, I mean, only more division is to come. Mm-hmm. And people want to see the things like they think are dead and like the gifts of the Spirit and the miracles that Jesus did that they that Jesus told us that we would be able to do. But if you're not willing to live in peace, if you're not willing to reach across denominational lines, if you're not willing to, like, look over things, then that will never happen. And what, what we need to understand is that the Word of God and the law of God is so much more simple than people make it. Mm-hmm. People make it so complicated. Like you're saying, there's so many denominations, there's so many rules that people have to follow just, just being a building with other people mm-hmm. you know 
Verse 7, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And that's actually a quote from Psalms, I believe. Psalms 68:18. When you ascended to the heights, you led a crowd of captives. You received gifts from the people, even from those who rebelled against you. Now the Lord of, now the Lord God will live among us there. Well, I think the prequel to that tells us to live in peace, to be humble, be gentle, to unite, and then it's telling us we'll get our gifts, the gifts through the generosity of Christ. So if you read it all together, it flows together. It's like this is how. God operates. If you want the gifts of the Spirit, your each individual special gift, then operate in the Spirit. Operate in that unity and that peace. Whenever it talks about you know, always having a special gift or having gifts that we can use for Christ, I think a lot of times people sit around and wonder what my gift is and this, but it's really not that hard if you just find something that you're good at more times than not you can use it to glorify God in some way. Mm -hmm. You know, some people have a wealth of knowledge and technology. You can use that in the church, you know, working in the music. If you can sing, you can sing. If you're good at talking to people or you're in the work of sales somewhere and you're good at just striking up a conversation with people, you can go door to door as an evangelist. And that really, if you just find something that you're good at, you can use it for Christ. If you're funny, you can tell jokes to people and it's whatever you want to do. I think some people waste their life trying to figure out what their gift is. Yeah, when they're missing every opportunity every single day because it's not big enough or good enough or special enough. I like that song, Dream Small. Have y'all heard yet? It talks about that. It's like, you don't have to go out on a platform. You don't have to do these big major things to work for God to do yeah. it you know it's the small things every, every day is made up of small things so it's the small things that we do that are gifts that God gives us so like calling somebody up and encouraging them or like you know going through like while you're working and, and ministering or even just making somebody laugh that's having a bad day or something you know anything like that is is what you say is your gift from God to somebody else. And even the big things that people talk about, like celebrities and stuff, like I think about Tim Tebow, the football player. He used that platform to spread the word of God. You know, there was like how many millions of people searched on Google the Bible verse that he had in his eye black and right. football. I mean, he uses, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't say anywhere in the Bible, you know, be a football player and throw a lot of touchdowns, stuff like that. But like I just went back to saying, is that you can use any gift that you have if you use it in a positive way to glorify God. Right. It doesn't matter what it is as long as, I mean, it's, as, long as it's not some sinful skill that you acquire. <laughs> but as long as it's something constructive, you can use it for God. Right. Even if it's just mowing the yard. You can mow the yard for the church or somebody that needs help. And I'm getting off track here talking no, about this. No, that's, but yeah, that's, that's I think it's just simple. Out. I think that people get wrapped around the axle a lot about just... They think that whenever they say you've been given some special gifts, they think about, you know, when am I going to get my powers? Thinking mm -hmm. about, you know, it's not that I have a Marvel comic book. Mm -hmm. It's simple. Just find something to do that.
just go with it. Go for it. I mean, just grab it and go with it and see where God leads you. See where it takes you. I mean, you can't even tell how many lives you can save or find God or Jesus. I mean, anybody can do it. You just got to go. You just got to do it. Just got to do it. Verse 9. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who has ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. To me, I feel like that's the reminder that God did become man. And he knows, I mean, even if that's maybe not the context here, I believe it's something important to remember that he knows what we're going through. He knows what it's like to be here and to deal with that every day everyday things that we deal with. Mm. And he's also God. Right. That's pretty cool. It says right here, so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. So we know that no matter where we're at and where we're, we're doing it, we've always got Jesus right there. He's always there, everywhere. You just got to see the big picture. And he himself gave some to be apostles some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to the perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith, and all of the Son of God to a perfect man. And there's unity again. Mm -hmm. And that you look at it like that too. I mean, there's, we're not all apostles, we're not all prophets, we're not all evangelists, we're not all pastors, we're not all teachers. So, like we were saying earlier, you know, don't waste your life trying to find the will of God when it's right in front of you. Don't look at it. Don't look at it like, I have to be an evangelist if I want to make God happy. You know? This is an amplified of verse 13. Until we all reach oneness in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, growing spiritually, to become a mature believer, reaching to the measure of the fullness of Christ, manifesting his spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity. So it's not a competition. Or like, just because, you know, one person might be called to be a janitor, and that's his ministry, and somebody else is called to be on stage in front of thousands of people that works in unity. It's not one's better than the other. It's just we work where we're put. And it takes the diversity to build up the good team that we have. If everybody was a pastor, then there wouldn't be any other people in the church to do the other things that need to be. You're not going to ask the guy that's scrubbing the toilets to lead the choir. No. Well, you look at it like we're the body of Christ, and Christ is the head. If everybody was a torso, then the body's not going to go anywhere. Exactly. Although I do feel like no matter where gifts are, like I said, you know, the toilet scrubbers, the, you know, the choir leaders, truck drivers, whatever it may be, whatever your gift is, I do feel like while we all may not be hardcore evangelists, 
you know, just that our sole mission going door to door, stuff like that. We all have a responsibility to tell others about Christ. Yeah. Even if it's just through our actions and we're not actually, if we're not super talkative, we're not just walking up to random people saying at least let your actions show that you're a Christian. Right. Show them the love of God through your actions. Because that's obviously our main goal, mm -hmm. to build up the kingdom of God. So sharing the word of Christ, I believe that is, I mean, it's a gift everybody should pursue mm -hmm. is to tell somebody about Christ. Mm -hmm. Sharing the word of gospel, it doesn't mean you have to bring your Bible in there crack it open to say hey you got 10 or 15 minutes because you can get some weird looks from people just saying y'all have a blessed day or god bless you mm -hmm. anything like that and it takes people off guard sometimes especially i mean it'll make them feel good if they're going through something that somebody out there cared enough to say that to them mm -hmm. and just you saying god bless you to somebody tells that person that for one you halfway care about them because you're telling them that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And two, you're not ashamed of your God because you put it in the phrase whenever you say goodbye to him. Right. Yeah. So, it, you know, it may ultimately turn into a conviction in somebody's heart, which is sharing your faith. Mm -hmm. That's what I do. Each customer I talk to after I leave, I said, y'all have a blessed week and weekend. God bless y'all. I mean, that's all you got to do. And that right there is going to stick with somebody. More mm -hmm. than like, all right, I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. nothing at all. Or just yeah. nothing at all. You know, just spread a little bit of gospel. They won't talk about it. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. That's why, you know, mm -hmm. looking for your gifts, everything like that, it doesn't, you don't have to get rocket science about it. Mm -hmm. It only takes a little bit. Because I'm not a rocket science, but I'm trying. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. But, still live, yeah. But it's a start. Mm -hmm. I mean, really. A little I mean, bit goes a long way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you talk to them, somebody you don't know, if they look down, if you say that to them, it could really cheer them up encourage him you know and it's like hey he said that to me that shows he cares you know like if you do that to anybody to a homeless person or uh, atheist you know <laughs> yeah that's who needs it the most and you just gotta get rid of that anger have your peace and just pray for him I mean that's what you gotta I do just think about Tim Tebow Something as simple as just one little verse written on it. I know I keep going back to this. But that may have honestly been the first time that somebody ever cracked the Bible open. That's the truth. Yeah. He was spreading the word, the gospel in the football field. He really was. And they was making a big deal about him kneeling. And now, NFL is complaining about that kneeling on the national anthem and all that stuff. But... He was doing it because he was worshiping his God on the field in front of thousands, millions of fans. And he could uh, encourage somebody right there. I mean, if he can do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> did, did you read? Verse 14. Have you read 14? No. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine mm -hmm. by the trickery of man and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. So that's, we gotta stick to our roots, which is the Bible, always. Sticking to the roots, sticking to the Bible. I've mentioned it before, but we shouldn't conform to the world, but conform to Christ. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, 
that is definitely not the easiest path to take because the majority of people that you're around, it's sad to say, but are unbelievers and are practicing, you know, sin, which we're all sinners, but we can't conform to that. And a lot of times you're going to be the most unpopular person in the room if you do. Mm-hmm. If, you got, if you're in the locker room with 50 other guys or something, they all tell a dirty joke, and you're the one guy sitting over in the corner saying, hey, guys, should be talking like that. You're not going to be the coolest guy in there. And you're probably going to get made fun of, but if we're going to do the work of Christ, that's the kind of stuff it takes is just sticking up for what you believe in, not trying to you know, conform to the world mm-hmm. just for your own gain. So it talks, you know, what use is it for a man to gain the whole world to lose his very own soul? Right. I think that verse is also talking about, you know, we, we were talking about different denominations and stuff, and it's talking about every wind of doctrine there's a lot of things in the church that aren't completely accurate and instead of showing the world true Jesus they're turning people away because yeah, a lot of these denominations want to twist things in the Bible for their own personal gain to fit what their denomination is geared towards right. versus what Christ geared us to do mm-hmm. verse 16 from whom the whole body joined and dead together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love and that again we all have our own jobs just like you mentioned uh, you know, if, if God is the head on the body of Christ if we were all the torso it would never move it would never go anywhere right I like how it says, as each part does its own special work. So as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy. So that's what we need to remember that when we're trying, when we're forcing ourselves to do something that God's not called us to do, that we're actually hurting those around us. We need to do the things that he's called us specifically to do. And like I said, it doesn't have to be, go back to that, doesn't have to be something major. It just has to be what God tells you to do. Yeah, if you try to force yourself into doing something that God's not willing to do, a lot of times you'll see that failure. And I think that God shows us that failure fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Convicts us of it, that way we don't further damage the body of Christ. In a sense, you know... <laughs> Let's just say a mechanic was giving free oil changes or doing some other kind of work in a car or something, saying, hey, free oil changes, showing others good deeds and saying, hey, God bless you, whatever you've done. If I try to open a mechanic shop and do the same thing, I have no mechanical knowledge. You know, I might get around doing oil changes by cracking into somebody's head gasket or something out there trying to spread the word. I'm not a mechanic. I'm not good at it. (laughs) Then their cars won't work and they won't be able to make it to church. It's kind of breaking it down. Don't try to force yourself into a job that you're not meant to do. That makes a lot of sense. It does. Well, it's straight out of the Bible, so, you know. Yep, word up, God. (laughs) It's going to be a meme. (laughs) I think that, you know, we always talk about prayer and everything, that always, before you do anything, pray. I think it was Joyce Meyer that said that like there's something good that you can do for somebody that you don't necessarily have to pray about it because the devil's not going to tell you to do something good for somebody 
And it's not, like you said, if you don't know how to do something like change the oil in a car, then that's not good for somebody. That's just, you're unskilled and you can't do it. That's different than like, you have 20 bucks and God tells you to give 20 bucks to that woman that's trying to pay for groceries. Different things like that. Like, the devil's not going to tell you to help somebody or promote somebody or encourage somebody. So if you see an opportunity like that, you take it. But as yeah, far as like, right, yeah, that's that's building the kingdom of God, like taking a job or like stepping out into ministry or doing something like that. That requires some serious on your knees prayer. That's whenever you really just have to dig deep and pray and and ask God, is this what you want me to do? Is this the gift that you've given me? Is this the way I'm supposed to go? Like if you're being called to the ministry or something, you don't just see a job posting for preachers somewhere and like, oh, we're good. Just <laughs> step into it. Because if you're not ready for that responsibility or God hasn't willed you to be in that position, then you're getting that misleading. Quite a few people are... Some things require a lot of thought and prayer before mm -hmm. you step into it. Yeah, and that, would, that goes back to the having a healthy body. Like, you can really hurt a lot of people if you're in a position like as a minister or as a youth minister as a anything like that that if you're not supposed to be there you know you're just making it worse it may not be that it's a bad job or a bad title it's just not the one for you and I'm not telling people that are looking into these jobs like to reconsider but I mean if that's what God's called you to do you need to pray about it <laughs> it's like that episode of Doc we were watching up here like so like <laughs> Where that couple were wanting to get married and they were talking to those people about it, like having like a council meeting, and then they came back to them and told them they were not going to do it. They weren't going to get married because it was taking too much effort. That just reminded me of it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Always got to check out the pure flicks. <laughs> oh, Jesus in there. <laughs> oh. Verse 17. Now I say, therefore, testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, but being past feeling, have given themselves over to the lewdness, to work all uncleanliness and greediness, that you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. And that goes back to what Jacob was saying earlier about not being conformed to this world. Because when you're conformed to this world and you have that mindset of this world, then you have no shame and you just do what you want to do and you do what everybody else is doing. And you're giving into your inhibitions and your whatever everybody else is wanting to do and this is like that's not what you learned about Christ that's not how Jesus lives that's not what he wants us to do like God's grace is wonderful but it doesn't mean that we have that excuse to go and live like that that's well, not we shouldn't willfully sin because mm -hmm. we talked about it before that we're dead to sin now mm -hmm. and if we're trying to conform to Christ then really when you sin you should feel a sense of shame just like your mother or father seeing you do something wrong like whenever you were a kid and you're getting ready to get a whipping for it or something. Mm -hmm. 
you, there should be a sense of shame and disappointment in yourself if you've done something wrong. And the further you fall into sin, the less and less shame that you feel about it. So the, the less closer conviction you have in your heart. Yeah, the less conviction of the Holy Spirit because the more you're trying to be like Christ, the less you are going to sin because whenever I sin, you know, I feel like Christ is in me and it's like, or I shouldn't have laughed at that, or I shouldn't have said that. That wasn't the right thing to say. And that's all convictions if you're a Christian trying to conform to the ways of Christ and not to the world. Mm-hmm. Like, when we think about heaven, we think about it being a place where there's no sin and there's no shame and there's nothing like that up in heaven. And that's because God's presence is totally full in heaven. His glory fills it up. And that's because his glory and his presence destroys sin. And so if you have that in your heart, you can't have God in there too. It's, I mean, there's several scriptures that say that, you know, you can't live for God and man. You just It just doesn't work that way because it physically can't work that way. It spiritually doesn't work that way. You can't have the same things in your head because God's glory kills all that stuff. Well, there's... Exodus thirty thirty twenty it says you cannot see my face for a man shall not see me and live and that was before Jesus um, because Jesus's blood hadn't washed them completely clean of sins and the glory of God would have killed them. First John chapter two verse fifteen, do not love this world nor the things it offers you for when you love the world you do not have the love of the Father in you. Yeah. You can't love the world love Christ too. Because if you love the world, you don't have to love the Father in you because you're not trying to serve Christ. If you want the things of God, then you have to have the room for Him to work in you. And if you're filled up with all of the things of this world, then there's no room for God. And we can't, I mean, it's just kind of like a spoiled kid, you know. You can't expect them to grow up in this world and know how to do the things they need to do if they've been given all this other stuff. And so if we think that, oh, right when we need God the most, but we've been living in the world and we've been doing all the things that they've been doing, what do we expect, you know? It's not that God doesn't love you and, and that he won't step out and help you or anything like that, but it's just easier. And it's, it's, his power is more prevalent in holiness because that's what this verse is saying. Without, I mean, not saying that we can live sin free in this world because it's impossible, but we shouldn't deliberately sin. We shouldn't give place to the devil. We shouldn't, we shouldn't give take him a pleasure in our sin. We should be quick to ask for forgiveness and ask God how to fix it and do right and listen to him verse 22 that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness this goes back to what we were saying but that's the only thing like when you look at the big picture in the moment like you can go out and you know get drunk and do all these bad things or you in the future want you know your kids to have a good life and know Jesus in that moment where you're there like you know 
do you want to be called corrupt? What do you want to be named? What do you want like to be said about you or thought about you in the long run? So we have these quick decisions that we make short term, but how do they affect us long term? So this says, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. So this is like a process. It's every day that we need to be doing that. Renew our minds according to the Word of God. And put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And when I think about that verse right there, we talked about it. Wanting people to see Jesus in us, that would be the first thing. I think about a time whenever I was in the Army. And they had just started offering this little chapel that would come in on the weekend. And they said, all right, church service starts at this time. Whoever wants to go, go. And my brother was there with me, and he went, and I was following behind him, and they looked at me. And our last, I mean, we go by last names on me, and they said, I think my last name's Hall. They're like, Hall's going. And they were confused why I was going to a church service. And that really, I think about that now, is that you know, I wasn't living how I was supposed to. I wasn't mature in my faith at all. I and mean, I was going just like I went to church all my life. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't living for Christ whatsoever. And so at that point in time, you know, I think about if I continued in that lifestyle, how many people I would have misled mm-hmm. by, by straddling the fence like we had said because I was over there laughing, cussing, telling dirty jokes, and then oh, I guess I go to church on Sunday. And so, you know, whenever you take Christ, it's a new you. So now that's what, and I want people to see the first thing in me is, you know, I already knew he was a Christian. Mm-hmm. Not being confused. Right. They see me going to church because they had absolutely no idea from my actions that I was. That's, I mean, that's really powerful right there because there's a lot of people I know that struggle with that because they, they want to fit in and they want people like them and they want to, you know, like, corrals with everybody and do all those things but then when it comes down to it, it's like I said you're misleading people and that's why a lot of people get hurt by the churches because they do see that and they're like well nobody in the church is real they're all fake because I see them out here doing the same things I'm doing you hear about people are just all just a bunch of old hypocrites mm-hmm. it's only wrong if everybody else do it but they mm-hmm. do it themselves and that's what I, I couldn't have told anybody at that point in time in my life that anything they were doing was wrong because I was completely misled in my own ways and actions Exactly now, honestly, it, it scares me thinking about, you know, before, where I was then compared to what I am now. Right. That's why I think it's just it's really important that you watch the way you conduct yourself. And I'm not saying you watch the way you conduct yourself and be fake. Right. But just having a true relationship with Christ and, you know, seeking the face of God and doing what you're supposed to do. Truly be a new person and like if you face judgment because you were like that before and now you're not you just have to let that roll off your back you just have to keep on doing what you're doing because some people are going to be like no that's not him he used to he used to cuss and act like this well that's the used to you know here we are now and i think about that not to get off well not really off the beaten path too much because paul wrote ephesians but i don't know if we talked about it in the past but i thought about you know my past and other people's past and stuff Whenever Paul first, after he got blind on the road to Damascus and he went to preach the gospel after that, they were they, they were afraid of him. Because Paul, who was then Saul before he got blinded, imprisoned Christians and hated them. Mm-hmm. And then God used him, who Paul himself called himself the chief of sinners. Right. 
and he ended up being one of the greatest apostles that the Bible has ever known. So I think it shows you that if you do have a bad past, don't get caught up in what you did then and think that it's going to hinder you for what your mission is now. Because God can use anybody even if they have the dirtiest past in the world. Right. That's so true. And that's like, I mean, like Paul, like he said, he, he was the one to say that because, I mean, he literally impelled Christians, which is, I mean, no wonder they were afraid of him, you know. Like, I'm going to stick a pole up through my neck, you know, <laughs> that kind of afraid. <laughs> and then to turn around and write, you know, how much of the New Testament and then, you know, start the Gentile church and do all these things that he did. And, like, it's amazing what God can do through somebody that does have a past. Verse 25, Therefore, putting away a lie, let each one of you speak truth with your, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole still no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good that he may have something to give him who has need. And that's uh, what we were talking about, too. This is, like, exactly what we're saying. It's like, this person obviously has a past. If you're a thief, he's like, just quit doing it. Mm -hmm. And you and do your good with what you got instead of stealing. Use your hands for good. And I like uh, verse 27. It says, well, NLT says... For anger gives a foothold to the devil. I feel like we let anger and bitterness dwell in our heart and control us that there's no good thing that can come out of that. Whether it be jealousy or anything, it, I mean, anger is just a poison that will just go through your whole body. It makes you bitter, and the more bitter you are, you don't even realize it sometimes that if you're bitter, other people notice it and you don't even you start to become really negative about every single thing. The bitterness just grows in you, and the devil, he's just loving it whenever mm -hmm. that, because the love of Christ is definitely not in you whenever you're a bitter person. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, <laughs> that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. What does that mean, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God? This one says, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. So it's just kind of like, you teach your kids something, and like you kind of like, these are the basic rules, my house, this is what you're going to do, and they go and deliberately don't do those things, and then you know how that makes you feel. It's like, okay don't do that to God like we're, we're supposed to be mature we're, we're supposed to you know at this point we know Jesus we know he died on the cross and he rose again we're saved we have been you know redeemed we know all these things so we should be growing up so we shouldn't deliberately do things that's going to make God you know bring sorrow to him yeah just like you know I'm a father and my kids do something wrong at school that brings sorrow and disappointment. Mm -hmm. Just as we're children of God, we shouldn't. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own. So that's him saying that we are children of God in that part. Guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So 
you conducting yourself as a Christian, he's already saying, hey, this is a child of mine, and I guarantee that he will be saved on the day of redemption. So don't go out there and do a bunch of dumb stuff and discredit the whole entire thing and bring shame of God. Just like you wouldn't do anything to bring shame on your own family. We shouldn't do anything to bring shame on our earthly, I mean, our heavenly Father. Right. And you think that the things that we may think are innocent, but they're not. So it's like, don't use foul or abusive language. To let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words can be an encouragement to those who hear them. So things that we think, well, you know, oh, that's not that bad, or I'm not doing anything wrong. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says don't use foul or abusive language. Don't bring people down. Don't just say things just to, to make, you know, to fit in or anything. You don't want to say things like if you... Like, it's just like if you hear your kids say a cuss word, you're like cringing on the inside. You're like, no, you can't say that. You know, it might be funny when they're three and they don't know what they're saying. But after that, it's like, <laughs> no more, you know. So why do we think that God wants us going around saying those things? Really the foul abusive language for anybody out there listening. I mean, we're not just talking about, you know, dropping an F-bomb or something to me. Foul and abusive language talks about let your words be an encouragement. Foul and abusive language could be anything that's not encouraging to other people or to building up mm -hmm. the house of Christ. I mean, we in court, you're saying stuff about you think it's harmless. You think it's just average. Everything. Well, everybody says that. We were talking about, you know, we both feel like we complain too much or something. Mm -hmm. And it's all in our human nature. We complain. But if I go into work and I'm like, hey, Jake, how you doing this morning? I'm like, just another day. Let me beat this clock in. You know? To other people and myself, it might just be a harmless thing because it's 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to work. But if I do that every single morning and people see me like that, and then I go out and say, you know, the joy of Christ is in me. I'm mm -hmm. like, well, where was it this morning? Where has it been the whole entire work week? Right. You can't just have the joy of Christ at 5 o'clock on a Thursday evening when you're going to be off the weekend. So that, to me, just... You should have the joy of Christ in you at all times you know, to build everybody up mm -hmm. to ultimately build up the kingdom of God. I know my biggest flaw is gossiping. So like if you hear something you just want to tell something immediately to somebody else, you know, that's not promoting or encouraging anything. That's just, it's just bringing other people down. Even if, like you said, it's just between the two of y'all or whoever I'm telling, like me and one of my coworkers still, it's not building, it's not encouraging, it's not helping anybody by doing that. And we think about it too, it's like you don't really think of it as gossip if it's just you and like a very close friend. Like mm -hmm. It's almost like we trick ourselves. I know I do a lot of times. If it's like between me and like my wife or me and my brother or something, mm -hmm. somebody that I feel like I trust, I would just say like, you know, he said, and you don't even really think about it as gossip, but then when you bring up that point, then gossip is gossip, mm -hmm. you know, black and white. And no matter who it's between or whatever it is, you shouldn't be doing it. Right. Because instead of gossiping about it, you should be like, well, I wonder how we can help this person. Right, yeah. How can we pray for them or, like, between right. you and God? You know, it's like, okay, this person's obviously struggling with something. Let me just go to God with this. It doesn't glorify God just to make fun of somebody behind their back when they're struggling with something that you could possibly help them with. Mm -hmm. 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as types of evil behavior. 
Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as for God, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. I just had this picture in my head of Jesus, like he didn't go like if he saw something, he didn't go until all the disciples like. Did you hear what this? <laughs> no, you just can't picture Jesus doing that because that's not what he's about. That's not what he does. But you see, Jesus is always building each other up. And the thing about it is, everybody wanted to be with him when he was on the, you know, the height of his ministry. Everybody wanted to get as close to him as they possibly could. They wanted to be around him. They wanted what he had. And talk about the slander, you know, the gossip we were just talking about. It's not as much as I mean, gossip's wrong. That's all there is to it. I mean, but also, if you look deeper into it, anytime we gossip, we're not a part of any solution at all. Us talking about it isn't doing anything. It's just making the problem more. Even if that person never found out that you were talking about it, you're still not helping the situation. Right. You know, if somebody messes up at work and you get together with the guys, like, did you hear about him? He was backing into that and he hit that pole or, you know, or... Do you hear about that? He did this, that, I mean, it doesn't matter because you're not helping the situation any. Like, a more constructive part would be like, man, he's probably going through a hard time. Might need to go over there and ask him about it or, you know, just like, you know, let him know. Gossip is only a bad thing. It's mm -hmm. never a good thing. Right. And that's why it's so good that we have the Bible here. I mean, even all these thousands of years, like, gossip's the same then as it is now. Mm -hmm. Which shows that, that God knew that that would always be a struggle. If it's written in here, he knew for a fact that people would struggle with that. And while we're on the subject, I've heard some people say, I don't know if you guys ever have or not. And yeah, there is stuff in the Bible that's outdated that, I mean, doesn't apply to us as much as it did then, just from the time frame that we're in now versus then. But I've heard some people say, well, you know, this, this wasn't written to us. This was written to the church of Ephesus, or this, you know, they were speaking to the the Jews at this point in time. But there's so much knowledge in the Bible that applies to us today, it outweighs what doesn't apply to us now. Mm -hmm. And if we weren't meant to follow and take from these principles and read this and put its words in our heart you know, that we may not sin against Christ, God wouldn't have had this word to stand this long. Right. I mean, it's been the same all these years, and we're still pulling out information every single day from it that applies to us. And so... I want to tell people, you know, you may hear people say, you know, this Bible wasn't written, it's just a book full of stories. But the more you read in it, it's going to apply to you, and the closer you get to Christ, it's going to speak to you more than you realize. That's what I like. And this Bible is very, it, it, it's so important. I can't, I can't stress it enough. Like with us breaking it down, you know, you can see it. It's like, well, this is, like this version is called the New Living Translation, which it even says in the Bible that the Bible is living. The Word of God is living, and it's alive. So it's always, you know, talking to us. It's always giving us new things because it is alive. It's God's Word. And we, I mean, I've said it before. It's like you are known by your Word. So, And this goes back to everything we've been saying. Are you known for... The words that you say with your friends, with your buddies, when you're cutting up and cracking up, are you known for the God bless you at the end of the day, you know, or good morning, I just, um, you know, doing what God wants me to do this morning. Or are you, you know, so we know God by what he says in here, and we know this is what he's about. So we need our word to match what we're about. And so it's, it is relevant to us today because 
it's still alive. It's still living. It's still, you know, beating. It's like a heartbeat. It's still going. And it's when you break it apart and it's like we're eating food, you know, it fills us up and it, it's new every day. We can go over Ephesians chapter 4 for the next, for the rest of our life and still get something new out of it every single day. I think it's in the book of James where it says, don't just be, you know, don't just read the word, do the word. And that's another thing that I was thinking about the other day. I can read this Bible from Genesis to Revelations and just read it straight through. But if I don't apply a single verse of that to my own life, it doesn't make any difference whatsoever. Mm -hmm. There was a verse that I was telling uh, Corey about the other day. It's not in Ephesians. Proverbs 15.15. It says, for the despondent, every day brings trouble, but for the happy heart, life is a continual feast. And, you know, despondent is just a different word for depressed, sad, you know, whatever way you want to put it. Lowly. Lowly. But if you're a negative person, every day is going to be negative. Mm-hmm. And it, your day might be going pretty good, but if you still got a negative outlook, ultimately in your mind it's still negative. But it says, for the happy heart, life is a continual feast. So if you look at every single situation in your life and just try to find the good in it, and praise God for any situation you have, it says that life is a continual feast. That means that every day for you, you're satisfied. And so, you know, that was one of those things I was talking about, you know, reading this word and applying this word. I mean, you might say it to somebody like, hey, that makes a lot of sense. But if you read that verse over and over to yourself and you actually apply it for every day, it's amazing what you can make out of every single situation. Mm-hmm. Is that well, for this bond every day brings trouble for the happy heart life is given peace. So if I just tell myself, you know, in the Bible, which is God's word, which he wanted me to read, and which he wants me to apply to my life, I read that every single day. Think about how much happier you can be in every single situation mm-hmm. versus just finding the bad in everything. Right. Because we always have that hope of heaven so no matter what the day looks like on earth you know lots of positives that you'd say well i'm just a citizen of heaven i'm just passing through on this earth so we always have something that we can be thankful for even if it's the worst day in the world we've always got heaven to look forward to um, it was james 122 that you were talking about but don't just listen to god's word you must do what it says otherwise you're only fooling yourselves we said then don't want to just skim over it because there's so much in it you know there's so much to to get out of it and then to do you know you want to act it out and live that life and you want people to see that operating in you not the world operating out of you and the more that people can see the word of God operate in you the more people are going to be inclined to actually get into the Bible and read mm-hmm. or like well, going to where did you learn that from or well I read this and that and if they actually see you applying it to your life you know, if everybody see me, if I walk into work every single day, just busting at the seams with happiness, no matter what you know what I was doing that day, I'm like, well, man, you don't get down about nothing, do you? You don't let nothing bother you. They're like, yeah, I was reading the verse the other day, and they might go and read that. And if they see me act like that every day, they might start applying stuff that they read in there mm-hmm. to their life. Right. And ultimately, it's just going to be a snowball, and it all starts with how you conduct yourself and actually applying the word to you and let people see Christ in you. Right. 
goes back to you know exactly what this whole podcast is about you know building each other up when one person's down you just ride their back to help you to courage you know <clears throat> back up get help give you the courage you yeah. know keep on that's pushing why, through that's why Pam always says it you know in her life groups mm-hmm. piggyback yeah piggyback piggyback babe yeah yeah just make sure you have your armor of God on every day to get you know so the devil don't attack you if you have that on so it can extinguish the flame and arrows yeah and whenever somebody's down, lift them up. Yeah. Pick them up with you. Yep. The joy that Christ is giving you, pick up others that are stumbling and falling yep. and maybe going through a hard time. Mm-hmm. Praying with people, you know, good deeds. Because, you know, if our faith without works is dead, I mean, we don't mm-hmm. show people our faith through our works, and there's no point in it at all. Yeah. So that wraps up chapter four. And as always, thanks for listening, and God bless. And if you were encouraged by today's podcast, be sure to like and share us on Facebook and Instagram. And if you have any questions or prayer requests, we'd love to hear from you. Just message us on Facebook or Instagram or email us at v511 at yahoo.com. Thanks again. God bless. Amen.